0: Welcome to episode 326 of the AMPM podcast. One of my goals with this podcast is to have it just feel like you're listening to two people talking. You know, we're talking about Amazon or e-commerce or just life experiences in general. And this week is no different, as my guest is Leron Hirschkorn. leron has been selling e-commerce for quite some time, been doing this Amazon game since about 2015. And he and I talk about everything from uh, growing your company and implementing EOS into your company to running a PPC company and how do you deal with the ins and outs and and unpredictability there, to just all kinds of stuff about this space. I think you're gonna really enjoy it.
1: Welcome to the AM-PM Podcast. Welcome to the AM-PM Podcast.
0: Where we explore opportunities in e-commerce. We dream big and we discover
1: what's working right now. Plus, this is the podcast for money never sleeps. Working around the clock in the AM and the PM. Are you ready for today's episode? I said. I said are are, are you, you you ready? Ready. Let's do this. Let's do this. Here's your host. Here's your host, Kevin King. Kevin King. King.
0: Ke- 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 King. Leon and welcome to the AMPM podcast. Man, it's great to have you on. Thank
1: you. Thank you. Super excited to be on. I think I was on the AMPM podcast has to be like I don't know 2016 was it live in 2016 yeah yeah that's
0: that's that's when I first went on was uh 2016 I think Manny started it in late 2015 right around the same time that he started his his journey as a seller and uh 2016 the spring of 2016 I, I think it was March or April is when I first went on so yeah I'm sure you were on uh in 2016 as well then
1: yeah, um so'm I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I was on I was on back then um, and have not been on since. So it's kind of crazy that the podcast itself has had. Quite the journey of, uh, you know, of, of hosts, right? You're, you're the third. I'm, host a, I'm the,
0: the third. Yeah, but it's for me, though, it's kind of uh, back to my roots. You know, the reason I am even doing any kind of training or an influencer or being on stage anywhere or being on podcasts like yours that I was just uh, recently on a few yep. weeks ago is because I came on AMPM Podcasts. Manny saw uh, probably the same thing with you. We we were active in the Facebook group, the the I think it's right. the high rollers group was the big one back then. Still yeah. it's still around, uh, but it was that, they didn't have the helium 10 group at that time. And right. we would go in there yeah. and uh, set people straight. Uh, you know, there'd be uh, someone posting about whatever it was, you know, this is how su- such and such works and other people would just start parroting parent- that as the truth and it was usually me and you and uh, i guess sometimes brandon young would go in there and just like no that's not how it works uh right. yeah and uh, i'm sure manny probably saw something that you posted and said hey you want to come on the ampm podcast that's because that's right. what he did for me
1: right and you know i think also networking right like um I don't, i'm not sure when the first time i met manny you know or, or anything but you know there's events too right and if you Go to events like Prosper and and other ones in the space, and you end up meeting people face to face and kind of form form these uh, relationships that I feel like will lead you know to, to things. Um, and outside of just let's say, as somebody who is uh, let's say a speaker or has a service business or whatever it is in the space, like even even for sellers, you know, uh, uh, I think their partnerships and masterminds, right, and all these things that happen from from Developing these relationships, which a lot of them started like on Facebook and then, you know, became stronger when you meet the person face to face.
0: Yeah, we met face to face, I think, at an event in Atlanta uh, from uh, Seller Labs, I think, was doing an event. And I think that's the first time I remember meeting you at at one of their events that we were both uh, attending.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that was, I think, also 2016. Probably or 2017, some, something. Yeah, like it'd been that.
0: 2016 or 2017, one one of those two. Yeah, uh, yes. I think it actually might have been 2017. But yeah, I, I remember meeting you there, and uh, we talked about this uh, on your podcast a little bit. But I, yeah. uh, it's like, who's this guy? You know, because we we're just all sitting around talking, and you you had like you knew too much. I was like, I gotta get to yeah. know who, the, who this guy is. He actually knows what he's talking about, uh, and he knows quite a few people. So, yeah, I, re- I remember that, uh, and uh, I, I remember too you. Oh, and you're still this way, but you like are always online. It seems like you were back back in like 2017, 2018. I was like, how does this guy even sell anything? How does he do anything? Because anytime someone posts something on one of the Facebook groups for Amazon sellers, he's responding to it. And he responds to like every single message. I'm like, this guy is just yeah. like a machine. It doesn't matter what time yeah. of night it was or what time of day it was. And you recently told me that's that's one of your philosophies is you ignore you try not to ignore anybody, uh, even if it's something you don't want to deal with. You at least give them the courtesy of, of a response, and yeah. that's that's pretty honorable. I mean, in today's world, and the amount of messages and people reaching out to you, um, that's that's pretty honorable and a tough thing to do.
1: Yeah, and, and look, I mean, there could be a point. I, I guess it's not there for me, but there could be a point where you just get too many messages, right? And, and you can't answer. So I don't I don't put blame on anybody who who doesn't uh, who doesn't do that. But um, you know, if I see somebody asking a question and, and it could take me a minute or two to answer then I will. And if it's longer then you know, I might just tell them like, you know, here's kind of a quick thing. And this is kind of a a long, a longer answer. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, also kind of like opportunity to give back a little bit. There was actually, I don't really do much coaching calls anymore. I used to do them once in a while. If somebody asked me and I, I don't really do them anymore. And, you know, I have, a. I have a lawyer that recently asked me to do some calls cause they have a case related to, you know, a- Amazon. And, and actually I'm going to be, I'm sort of, uh, I think I'll end up being like an expert witness in in this case for, for this lawyer. There's actually an interesting, um, lawsuit between a model, uh, and the brand because the model signed an agreement that w- the brand was supposed to use the images only on their website. And it's been on Amazon for like the last five years. And, Model is suing, and um, the lawyer reached out to me to try to understand like what the sales are and all these things on you know on Amazon. So the lawyer anyway, for the
0: model or the lawyer for the seller,
1: lawyer for the model, mm-hmm. and the for the mo- They don't know anything about Amazon, so they're trying to understand like, well, can we tell what estimated sales are? You know, what this, how much sales they've had, and like, you know, they're trying to gather all this kind of data. And you know, would somebody be more likely to click if it was just it's clothing, so the model in the picture. If it was just the clothing without a model versus with, and like yeah, uh, you know, um, oh, wow. and you know the clothing model is also there's different colors, and he's also on the most popular color. So does that mean he should also be entitled to helping drive sales on other variations where he's not the model because his variation ranks and you click on him right and so maybe you buy a different variation so uh does that you know can can you claim that he's helped be responsible for sales on other variations and you know it's pretty pretty tricky stuff
0: so they're looking for they're looking to s- assemble how much damages they can go after and prove or, or yes. try to get a cut off of you that case will come down to the, the release whatever the release says, or whatever, if there is a release, that'll, that's what'll dictate. As we got sued by, you know, we do stuff with models, and we got sued around 2014, 2013, 2014, by a model who we had on on video, actually saying that she loved the picture, she loved everything, that she signed a release, but then something happened with her family and they didn't know she was a model and she got Mm -hmm. embarrassed and she so she said they don't i don't know where that came from they didn't have the rights to do this and so she hired a lawyer on spec you know who did it uh for free basically for uh for a cut of the earnings and uh he came after us and we ended up winning but it cost us like 75 to 100 grand or something like that just to fight this thing we had to hire some lawyer out of california like 600 dollars an hour uh back then yeah so
1: Those are, those are tough cases. And yeah, it's, and and yeah, probably what they want to either settle or fight for in court is some, you know, let's say they want 20 cents for every sale, right? Or whatever. I mean, there's been millions of dollars in sales, right? Yeah. So they they want something. And what's tricky is that the brand themselves doesn't sell on Amazon. It's resellers who sell on Amazon, but the resellers could have only gotten the image from the brand. So the brand itself doesn't even have the, the sales, you know? And they sell to a distributor, so they don't know what goes from the distributor to Amazon versus whatever. So, really, we kind of have to just go based on, like, estimates, you know? That's going to um, be an interesting case. So, it should be a very interesting case. I don't know how long it's going to go. All to say that, you know, I charge them a pretty high rate, you know, probably more than the lawyer is charging the client, you know, is <laughs> what is what I'm charging the the lawyer, well, the client, really.
0: What's worth that? I mean, that's something that a lot of people, that's an interesting point you make that people come to us and say, Hey, I want consulting. And we're like, no, we don't really have time for that. But sometimes we say, we throw out a number, you know, we're like, well, if they'll pay me, you know, $5,000 for four hours, you know, or whatever, maybe I'll consider it. And the, the knowledge that we have as Amazon sellers and people like you and I, that have been doing this a while. And we've, we know everybody in the industry, we know the ins and outs of how they're workings. That's worth a lot of money. I mean, uh, there's lots of lawyers out there that can take this case and, and you know, you sh- if the, this model doesn't like the one lawyer, he can switch to another lawyer, can probably do a similar job. Right. Uh, right. But they can't do that for someone like us. And that that's brings me to a point that, that I, I noticed, you do a lot of consulting, whether it's for aggregators or for other people, you have a, uh, like a good little side business there of just uh, advising people. And how, how does, do you go out and seek that? Is it just word of mouth? Do you, uh, they find you on LinkedIn?
1: This lawyer reached out to me on LinkedIn. I got a chance to also meet her. Like she was in New York one time. There, was, I met her at the White Label Expo and I she's in California and she came to Vegas during selling scale and actually, actually met her. So I sat, I've met her face to face, but she reached out to me on LinkedIn. Also, I'm connected to a couple of these kind of consulting firms that also reached out to me that when somebody wants to investigate our space... They, they reach out to like a company like Bain or like they're working with these big consulting companies and they want to learn, those companies want to learn more about the space. So let's say you were going to say you, let's say you were a fund and you are going to look to invest into Helium 10, right? You want to do a bunch of research on the space. So you're going to pay a bunch of experts in the space and you're going to, you're going to go and say to them, I want to, you know interview basically for like an hour or whatever. And I want to say, what makes Helium 10 different? Why do people use it? Well, can you tell me a little bit about their top, you know, it seems like from what we see, the competitors is Jungle Scout, what's the difference between Jungle Scout and Helium? Do people use both or do people use one? Uh, you know, who's the customer for this? Is it any set? Like, so they ask you all these questions, they try to understand the market. And it's interesting because 2020 and 2021, I did a bunch of these calls but probably probably in the in the last 6 months i haven't done any right cuz like no deals right like you could cuz the market you know but um 2020 2020 2021 uh and the interesting part is you don't know who's who's actually what the deal is or what they're investing in or or what's behind it you just basically like the the intermediate company that hires me for them then you get on a call that's recorded with them you both dial into a number and the intermediate company just tells me like, Hey, are you knowledgeable on, you know, this, this, and this? And if I say yes, then, you know, they'll say, okay, they want to talk to you and we schedule it. Or if I say, no, I'm not qualified, you know, to talk about this, then, you know, they won't schedule it. And then you just get on a call and it's like, Hey, this is John. And they just ask you a bunch of stuff. You don't know, you don't know anything about them really or who they are. Sometimes if they give you their full name, I can look on LinkedIn. I see their with Bain and Co. or like some of these bigger companies mm-hmm. that are like M and A advisors or or whatever it is, but it's been it's been very interesting because when this uh, let's say COVID time e-commerce was like really hot and the market was really hot for startups and a lot of money flowing in, I did you know I don't know I probably did like six or seven of these calls maybe. 2021 or so, but but each one's like are initially charged with 500 bucks, right? They ask you like what's what's your rate, and actually they have this meter. They they like once you go past 300, it says like it needs approval, right? So initially the first year I did it like maybe 2019 or so, I set my rate at 500 bucks, right? Then I'm like you know what the next year I'm like I'm gonna up it to a thousand, see if they still approve it, you know? Up it to a thousand, still approve it because probably they're being they're they're probably paying more than that to like the, the intermediary firm is charging them something, right. And then paying me a thousand dollars, but the intermediary firm is probably charging them 2,500 bucks an hour, 3,000 or whatever it is. I don't know how it works, but you know, these are like big corporations and you can, you know, you can charge them more for, for those types of, um, of, of calls. But yeah, it's interesting also seeing those types of calls dry up really because of like the whole startup investment space right now is kind of, you know, down. So I get uh, a lot less. I still, I've still got inquiries, but like not on things I'm, I consider myself an expert in and like I've turned them down. Um, so recently, you know, you mentioned about answering people. I met somebody at Scale, is like a newer seller and they reach out to me after like, Hey, can, you know, they're too kind of early to be, to be a client, but like, can I, can I do a consulting call with you? I'm like kind of expensive, you know, like I don't, you know, I don't really like, it's not going to make sense for you whatever. And they're like, no, like I want to pay whatever. Like he's, he's like, well, he's like, look, the most I can pay is like 350 bucks. Right. And I'm like, tell you what, donate, donate 500 bucks to a charity of my choice. And I'll do the call with, you know, I'll do the call. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up just doing it for charity. And the guy, guy made a uh, guy made a donation, you know? So it was like, sometimes, sometimes I'll use these opportunities maybe to do something nice or like I'll donate affiliate money. Uh, I'll post something as an affiliate. And then I'll just say like, I'm just, you know. the the affiliate money would be donated. Uh, Like, let's say I'm speaking at, um, you know, Kevin, Kevin Saunders. He does these like PPC summits and and stuff like that, you know, and then I'll I'll post, it's like a $7 sign up. And then if you buy the recording, it's like a hundred or something. So I'll post an affiliate. I'm like, uh, you know, donate to like some, I think it was last time I did, it was like a hunger uh, or feed America or some, some kind of uh, charity that like.
0: Well, in 2020 and 2021, when the aggregator space got real big, I know they were coming after people like me and you left and right for affiliate commissions because they're saying, hey, if you if you bring us a deal, we'll give you X percent. And sometimes that X percent could be 40, 50, 100, 200 thousand dollars.
1: Yeah. Have you ever had have you ever had a, a, a deal closed for for uh, for referral?
0: No, I don't actually, you know, I I, I turned them all down. Uh, I think I actually, there was like one that I think I ended up actually saying, okay, I'll do it. But then I, then I never referred to anything because I, I, I don't feel right doing that. Even when I was out speaking four or five years ago in 2018, I spoke at like 30 some odd events. And I was, you know, I th- I would always be mentioning Helium 10 and, and Manny and Guy used to get on me and say, Kevin, you could be making so much money as an affiliate. If you would just use your code, I was like, I just don't feel right doing that. You know, I, I, I don't want to come across that I'm talking about something because I'm getting an affiliate commission. So I, I so yeah, I never felt right actually taking an affiliate commission. And just recently I got a, a message from a quiet light. And uh, Quiet said, "Hey, we we have this really big deal. Thanks to you, uh, we got this client. And you know, we're just letting you know that uh, that they're on board, and we'll keep you advised." I'm like, "What the heck are you talking about? I haven't referred to anybody." And it just happens in conversation somewhere, you know, at one of these events, I mentioned. Uh, this to this, this particular seller. And he was, I, I can say, I guess, kind enough to say when they asked him, how'd you hear about us? He, he mentioned my name and, and quiet light without me being involved or having any relationship, you know, directly for an affiliate reached out to me and said, we're going to pay you. Uh, and this could be a sizable amount. It could be a six figure amount depending on what he sells. I'm like, that's cool. So that kind of thing, I don't mind. It's, 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 you know, kind of a, a backdoor. Thank you. It's not me out there hustling it or pitching it. And, and, and I'm the same with software and the same with, uh, you know, I'm careful even on the, like the freedom ticket, people will say, Hey, Kevin, what's a good uh, freight forward. I need a good freight forward. I'll tell them who I use, but if I haven't used them, I won't recommend them. I'll say, Hey, I know a couple of my friends that have used these, they say good things, but I can't vouch for them. You know, so I'm, I'm, I try to be very careful uh, in that regard.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I hear you. I, I I would say I'm kind of very similar. Um, I've had, I think three deals that, closed like over like since 2019 and one of them uh kind of it, it, actually the first one was to quiet light too and first of all i felt better about referring to a broker versus just like one aggregator right mm-hmm. because you should try to you know go get multiple deals uh and the best offer um and also um you know it's not the, the, the person's not paying any more, et cetera, for it. Um, and I, I, referred this, uh, this guy to, uh, to quiet light and, um, didn't hear back for, you know, anything. Cause I didn't like, like if it happens, it happens. I'm not hounding down to find out if the, if the business sold or, or whatever, you know, Yeah. Uh, cool. kind of like you. And then they, yeah, they reached out to me like six months later and like the business sold and it was an eight figure sale. They ended up telling me that somebody else kind of claimed that they also recommend them whatever so they said they're splitting it between me and the person but it, it it was sizable money and then they reached out to me like a year or so later like in 2020 and they said by the way now the earnout's been paid and here's you know here's another check which um, oh, well. also pretty Pretty good sites check. So, you know, just shows you they're, you know, honorable people, right? Cause they could have been like, hey, you know, we're not going to, not going to say anything to Kevin, you know, or me or whatever. And you don't really know what happens. You're not entitled yeah. to that confidential information. But I did have some aggregators along the way that said, hey, yeah, we want you to sign an agreement. And one of them sent me the agreement to uh, like refer to them. And it looks like sometimes people would ask me and I, you know, who would I recommend or whatever. And I said, look, I have, like direct relationships with a few, you know, a few that I like, I'll make a personal introduction. You'll at least get heard right away or whatever. And like, you know, I kind of just saw it as I'm helping them. Cause I'm also getting them like maybe to the front of the line and to, to, to the, to the right person. Cause sometimes the aggregators wouldn't call you back, you know, if you filled a form on their, on their site. Um, and I'd refer them to a broker and refer them to the aggregators refer them all around, like wherever you get the best deal. Right. Like, mm-hmm. you know, not, but you know, one of them had in their contract that basically if I refer to them and I want to get paid, they can be the only ones I refer the person to, you know? And I said to them, Hey, it doesn't make sense. I'm not signing. This. It doesn't make sense at all. Because number one, if I only refer them to you, chances are the person themselves is going to 10 other places. Right. So what are you really preventing? And number two, like, I, I don't think it's, I, I mean, I don't think it's the right thing. So I'm not, I'm not signing this agreement. So they end up changing, they ended up changing the agreement because it doesn't make sense. Like, do, do you think that this guy who's sold millions on Amazon is only going to talk to the one place I refer him to, and once he gets an offer, he's just going to take it. And he's not going to talk or to anybody else and try to get better, better offer. Like you know, it it, it doesn't make any sense. So they 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 did um, they did change, change it. So I guess yeah, there there are benefits. And you know, look, some of these conversations for you know that come up even in these referral opportunities or, or whatever it is, uh, they come from just answering that DM too, right? So. Yeah. It's not my motivation to do it. My motivation really comes from a general good place of like trying to help, but sometimes the universe rewards you back, you know for for, for helping.
0: That's true. And you might be talking about uh, we won't we won't name names here, but one of the largest if if some people might consider them the largest aggregator in the space at one time reached out to like uh, I was told four different people, uh, you know, influencer types, you know like myself and others, maybe maybe even you, I don't know and offered this contract uh, to, to refer people and to be like on an advisory board and we'll give you some equity or some options. It wasn't equity, it was some options. And they were all excited to send this to me. And I, I, I read through it. I was like, no way in hell am I signing this thing. You basically own anything I say, anything I do. Uh, you know, And it had all these clauses in it. And I was like, only a fool would sign this. Yeah. And it actually turned me off on that particular aggregator. And uh, I was like, I, don't, I wouldn't recommend anybody to them based on this. So yeah, this it, it got interesting there for a while.
1: It, it wasn't one of the biggest uh, for this particular one. It, it was one that's I think doing pretty well and still active, it seems like, which is which is good. But um, no, it wasn't. Uh, it, it wasn't at least one of the top two or three. You know, big, biggest uh, biggest guys on, on this instance. But yeah, uh, inter- interesting uh, space. So yeah, I mean, you can say that you know there are benefits to to, to getting into the space of. Uh, services or whatever it was never my intention you know you it was never, yeah,
0: never mind either
1: you know like how how i got into it i got into it because i took andy's andy Slamon's course in 2015. Uh, i took his course and because i was in his course i became friendly with him and then i went out to a bunch of other masterminds and learned and then i would kind of come back and i would share some of the stuff i was learning with with andy um you know, some of the things I was, I was learning. And at one point he was doing a retreat at the end of uh, 2016 in Colorado, private label retreat. He, he rented out like a, you know, kind of like a mansion in, in Breckenridge and he was teaching private label basically all weekend, like Friday to, to, to Monday morning. I did one and in Orlando he,
0: too after that or something. Yes. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yes. So we, we did, we did a few of them and that was the first one. And he basically invited me to come for free said, you know just, just come and then leading up to that uh, leading up to that uh, uh, event um, I ended up helping also come up with some content and I ended up doing some of the content at, at the event itself especially on the, on the PPC side something I was learning and, and getting into um, and I, and it was cool because it was like a $5,000 event so just going free you know was was kind of cool I had a private chef it was like you know 12 13 people like you know good networking etc and at the end of the event, Andy hands me a $5,000 check uh, and he says, Hey, I want you to, and he was, he was uh, in this business with his nephew, Nate. Uh, now they're, they're continued. And, and then they also have a brand together, a very successful brand together and uh, podcast and everything else. And he said to me, here's a check for five grand. And I want you to, to be a partner with us. Right. And, you know, again, like don't kind of look for what people say, but look for what they do, you know, and mm-hmm. like, that was a very generous move in in my mind right from from his end because he just he was already being generous by inviting me to come free learn learn teach whatever right enjoy enjoy the house private chef like the the experience was great and then gives me a check and says i want, I want a partner and so then it was in beginning of 2017 that really started to create content together and and uh, have a you know a facebook group and you know that's kind of how I started to get into the, the space of going from being like, you know, just a seller, which, you know, I, it's what I started at, to also getting into the space of, um, and, and really a lot of the stuff we did came from needs, like uh, helped, helped Andy like revamp his course. And then we had a guy, for example, who contacted us and said, hey, can, can I post in your group, um, like my graphic design work? you know, that I do for, for people's images. And he said, in the beginning, he said, like, okay, you know. So he started posting. And then he came to us, look, it's going well. Like, I want to pay you, like, a commission on every sale. So we're like, okay, like, well, first, before the guy even, I allowed him to post, I said to him, look, I'll give you one of my products, revamp my images for me. It's like Photoshop. See if you do a good job, right? So he did a good job. He he posted in the group. Then he started paying us, like, some, you know, commissions. And we are okay with that. He was doing good work. But then he started to kind of like harass and spam people, like, hey, I did your images. And he would Facebook message him, like, hey, I want to, you know, rewrite your listing. And he would like get aggressive, you know, marketing, right? So I said to Andy, like, Andy, like, screw it. Let's start our own image service. And, you know, this guy's like harassing people. Obviously, there's demand for this, there's a need for this. Let's just start our own service, right? And that was kind of the lead in to starting, you know, copywriting and images. And 2017, I saw the ad space getting more and more complex. And, you know, I said to, I said to Andy, i like, we have to start a PPC agency. Like we, we, we have to start it because I see what I see what's happening. Amazon's adding stuff. It's getting more complex. People can't manage it. And I didn't know exactly how we would do it by, by, but by 2018, we had, we had started managing, uh, you know, managing ads for people. And so everything kind of feel like, uh, evolved very organically and, you know, uh, naturally it wasn't like, a, a grand scheme to, you know, come into the space, post a bunch on Facebook, you know, make myself, you know, an influencer so that you can start like selling people stuff. You know,
0: So you're not actually actively selling anymore, right? You're focusing on the incremental di- digital uh, and, and
1: yeah, so I had, so I, I, uh, sold one brand to a competitor. It was in the whiskey decanter space. I had three design patents on it. I had one brand in apparel that just had like 200 plus SKUs. So I wound that down. Um, I invested in 2020, I invested um, 50% into a brand in arts and crafts. It was basically one listing that did like 400,000 a year uh, with three SKUs. Um, it's my COO who in, in the agency and, 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 uh, and partner in the agency. And, um, I'm like, let's, you know, scale it up. We, we, I invested in the brand. We had a good year, 2020 and 2021, but basically we were getting so busy with the agency that at the end of 2021, we just sold out of stock and Christmas and didn't, didn't continue to add on products. We thought maybe we would go to Shopify and like do more with it, but we also decided we didn't really want to lose focus too much and decided to kind of just sell out of the products and, and be done with it. That's the
0: same thing that happened with helium 10, you know, with Manny, Manny was a seller first. And right. then when helium 10 started taking off, he's like, you know, I'm doing a million, two million here. I think he's close to 2 million at that point on his product. He just said, mike his brother said you just take it it's yours you run it take it and run with it i got to focus all my energy and time on H 10 because I think this can can blow up right. and make me a lot more money and that was a wise decision because right. he had a had a very nice exit because of that decision
1: right P- paid it off so i mean it, it also shows you the power of you know focusing uh, yeah. you know uh, i mentioned to you before before we got on that we implemented eOS probably i would imagine a good, good amount of people who are listening. Uh, have heard of it. It's called The Entrepreneur Operating System. It's off a best selling book by Gino Wickman called Traction. Uh, we hired an EOS coach at the beginning of uh, 2022, January. The reason why we hired that coach is some of the things we were talking about. We got together, a few of us from the agency got together in person last year in December, and we we're like planning out our year. And one of the things we wanted to get, a, get better at was systems processes like throughout the company etc and just level up so we hired this coach and it really helped put a lot of things into clarity you know when you're an agency or or even a seller you're thinking a lot about what should i do next kind of a thing right how do i grow etc and we you know we have a lot of ideas different services we can offer and where we can add value etc and we we were unsure you know if like Sometimes we're unsure if we have an idea for something, should we implement this? Should we just kind of be focused on what we're doing and try to get better and better what we're doing versus adding a new service or whatever. And one of our, one of our like goals for the, for the agency, three year goals for the agency was to get to 15 million in revenue. And we, um, we get on a, we get on this, on this call with our coach and we're like, we're we're thinking of doing this, you know, other service or whatever. And she just asked one question. She's like, do you need that service to get to your 15 million goal in three years? I'm like, no, heck no. I could do it just on PPC, you know? And she's like, then why are you doing it? You know, like stay, stay focused on the goal. And It's that kind of like clarity that having a coach like that in your business, you know, is super helpful and kind of like Manny, Manny probably could not scale both his Amazon business and Helium at the same time
0: no it was he did something similar i mean yeah exactly he couldn't scale him he had to focus so he dropped his amazon business to his brother and then actually they went to a war room event and a war room for those of you who don't know it doesn't it just wound down they they kind of split off the guys that started and are doing their own thing right now they have their own individual masterminds but that the war room was twenty five thousand dollars a year and they would meet uh, six eight times a year you know they'd have a few big events and then it was private, and there was a few hundred people in it, but they're from all, not just Amazon people, but like from all different industries, and they would bring in people about mindset and setting up systems and setting up processes and all this kind of stuff, and there was a talk that he and Guy went to that completely changed their philosophy on everything, that completely changed the way they were doing it. You know, At one point, it's similar to what you just said, uh, Helium 10 back 2016, 2017, 2018 was doing affiliate deals, where they would do webinars for... You know, a Kickstarter guy, some guy that was doing the Kickstarter campaigns would leverage the, Amazon, uh, the Helium Ten audience and to actually do uh, a webinar, and Helium Ten would make a commission off of that. They did stuff, you know, try, they did one for Try and Turku uh, when before you, he went with with Ben Cummings. Uh, they did several of those, and then they dropped all that stuff and and it's like just focus on the core thing and and know like EOS, it has like six principles that that kind of spin around a wheel. I mean, it, it's like. Uh, And and so it says, look, focus on these six things like people, I think is one of them. Vision is one of them. The data is one of them. The process, traction, and issues. So those are the six things like that that form a wheel on EOS. And those are the things to focus on and how did each of these interplay and which ones can you do to actually move your business forward and and hit that $15 million goal or whatever it may be uh, that you have.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so show, shows you the power of focus and, and also, you know, getting better at systems, benefits of hiring coaches. We now have EOS has something called a level 10 meeting. The reason why it's called a level 10 meeting is, you know, uh, at the end of the meeting, everyone rates the meeting and you, your goal is to get a 10, right? But sometimes you might get, we, you know, we typically don't rate our meetings a 10, but we might rate eight, eight and a half, nine, depends on how, how much we kind of follow the system and, and focus. But there's a very structured uh, way to run a meeting, and we we do that now throughout every kind of department in, in the company. You have like five minutes of going around, good news, personal, professional, whatever kind of break some ice in in, in the meeting. You then go over to a scorecard where you read off kind of some of your KPIs that you're that you're following. If something is not, you kind of look and see if it's on track or off track. If it's on track, you don't do anything. If it's off track, you might add it to the issues. For, the, for that meeting, you next go to headlines, which you cover anything, any employee issues, any big wins, something like that. A few minutes, you cover headlines. And then uh, you, you you cover rocks. So your goals, your quarterly goals are rocks. So like a to-do is something you could do in like a week or two. Your rock is like, what is your main goal for, for the next quarter? That's your rock. Um, so everyone goes through their rocks and they just say on track, off track. That's it. If it's on track, you don't talk about it. If it's off track, you might add, add it to the issues list to cover why. And then the next part of the meeting, the meat of the meeting is really the issues. You can add issues and we use a software developed by them too to, to kind of run it called 90. And so before meetings, we'll like, I might add some things to the issue list. I want to discuss with the team they add. Um, and some things come up in the in, going through rocks and scorecard. We'll add to the issues. And then we just go through those issues talk about them, we might make some decisions or what the next step is and create some to-dos in there. Actually, we've synced our to-dos from that software with Zapier right to our ClickUp that we use. And now every, we first learned it and then we, you know, uh, actually Brian, my CEO, kind of taught it to the rest of the company. And now everybody runs on that one system to run basically every single meeting in the company. So you go away from a meeting with some decisions made, with action steps, and it's not like, you know, because a lot of meetings are a waste of time. And you kind of go away from these meetings with typically some actionable, you know, actionable next steps for things. And also, it's a good accountability, you know, going into every week. Kind of, are you on track and, and off track? So, I highly, re- highly recommend it. Um, you can read the book Traction and try to implement yourself. You can hire a coach. The coaches are not so uh, cheap. So, you know, I, I would say probably if you have at least a few. I don't know five, ten employees in the business. Maybe it becomes more worthwhile to to, to implement. Um, but you know, um, it's definitely been it's definitely made it made a difference. Um, you know, for us in terms of like how 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 we're structured, and and then, and then other things you do initially is like build the vision for the company, three year three year vision. You also create an accountability chart, which is kind of different than an org chart. So as an example, the way we build this chart is not who is your boss, but it's like what role are you sitting in right now, right? And then, you know, will you be sitting in that role forever or at some point will you need to hire that role? So for example, at in Incrementum, I'm CEO, which is like the visionary. I have an integrator, which is my CEO, but I'm also sitting as like head of sales, right? At some point, I may replace that, but today I'm sitting ahead of sales and if there's a more junior salesperson, they're 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 kind of reporting to me too, right? They're not reporting to head of marketing or whatever, because I'm in that I'm in that seat essentially. So you could have you could be the CEO and sitting in customer service if you just started, right? So you're kind of like building up your three-year vision, but then who today is sitting in that in that seat, and what what roles will you need to get to that 15 million three-year goal or, or whatever it is? Um, so it's super interesting. Um, you'll probably get feedback on this, people telling you that they, they've implemented this in their, in their business. Uh, I, I imagine from this podcast.
0: So 15, 15 million in sales to the agency is what about 750 million to a billion dollars, or maybe a little bit more in actual sales for your clients.
1: Um, our, our clients, I think our clients did close to like a billion dollars. Dollars in sales this year or something like some crazy, some crazy number, but we, we don't charge the percentage of sales. We charge more, we charge more in ad spend, but we didn't do 15 million. We did, we did multiple millions of dollars, but we didn't get to 15 million yet. But yeah, collectively our clients, uh, we, our, our clients have sold a lot. We also have one client that I think we, we have one client alone that's over a hundred million. So that kind of tips, tips, tips the scale. Um, and another one that's like 45. We have, we have a few that are, that are pretty big, but yeah, I think collectively we got think close to like a close to a billion dollars or something crazy
0: and a lot of people don't know this but uh manny coates the founder of helium 10 his girlfriend at the time actually was an amazon seller too and she had her own line, uh, and she was actually using you guys uh, right when you first started. And she had really good things to say. She no longer sells. obviously. I mean, since they exited, there's no reason for her to continue that account. She just wound that thing down, and said, "The heck with this. I don't need to mess with this anymore." So, how do you, as a, as an agency, though? I think one of the challenges for, for uh, there's a, quite a few PPAs, PPC agencies that have popped up, like you said. You know, it got, it's getting more and more complicated, and a lot of people don't understand it, and they want someone to manage it. But the problem is what I've found, I've tried a few different ones. I have not used you guys. I've heard good things. I just haven't used you guys yet. But it's it really is not about the agency. It's about the person that, that manages your account. And so, I mean, you could go to a, a highly decorated agency that's won all of the kinds of awards and has all kinds of great case studies. And if you get the wrong account manager, all bets are off. Uh, so how do you deal with it? Or if you get the right ca- account manager and you're like raving about this company. Um, how do you handle that? How do you train your people? How do you deal with that issue when someone, uh, one of your clients comes to you and is like, this just ain't working. I'm switching to a XYZ uh, agency. Uh, and you're like, hold on, hold on, hold on. How do you handle that?
1: Yeah, um, so I would say in some, in some sense, you're you're right. In some sense, no. Yeah, I would say the answer is yes and no to that, to that question. Because yes, there are managers that you'll find are, rock stars uh, and can be amazing. And sometimes you'll hire somebody and they turn out not to be amazing. But we try to minimize it as much as possible in in a number of ways. Uh, The first year that I ran the agency, I probably sat in on 250 or 300 interviews myself. And I quickly learned that the great resume and even some questions maybe asked the person before does not mean they really know how to manage ppc and i had this experience both from uh interviewing people that were you know six figure type people that worked for like big agencies in the us and or were us based and you know had big salaries and also you know somebody overseas and we quickly learned that if we were going to not waste cuz you know i i remember you know, sitting on this interview was a person from like a big, big agency. Um, uh, let's say like, you know, it wasn't pattern, but let's say like a pattern type, right? Like a big company that hires, you know, uh, U.S. people only. And, and you know, they're, they're in, in, in the advertising space. And I interviewed this girl. She was six figures. And I asked her like, what do you do when you have a keyword that has high ACOS? She's like, I pause it. <laughs> you know, and, I'm, and and like Brian, my CEO is on the call and like on Zoom, I'm like direct messaging him and I'm like, Brian, we need to end the interview. You know, like hi, we need to just like get off the call. Why, I'm, why am I going to spend another 40 minutes asking her questions? Like this person is obviously not qualified because, you know, you want to manage the bids, right? You don't want to just kill a keyword completely. It depends kind of on the situation, but you wouldn't just pause the keyword, right? Especially if it's a broad match or phrase match and it has underlying search terms, some that are good, some that are bad. You just killed the whole thing. So we realized we need to develop systems. So we developed first a test. Okay. So today you don't interview with us until you first take a test. If you pass the test, we also need to test your communication.
0: This is a test on, on what, what, what's an example of a question on this test?
1: Go to this listing on Amazon and give me, uh, what are the top 20 most relevant keywords for this, for this, for this listing? Or, what would you do in this situation? Like you have a, you know, you have an cost of 74%. The client's goal is to be at 30%. What are you doing? Right. We want to see how they're thinking about, about PPC. How do you launch a product with ads? Right. Like questions that gets me into their mind of how they think about advertising. If they launch it, like, I'll tell you, I sat in so many interviews where somebody said to me, I said, how do you launch a product? Well, I, I put on an auto campaign. I let that run for two weeks. Then I see, the search terms that convert and I add them to like, you know, manual campaign and like, that's not how we run launches. You know, we focus a lot on relevancy, exact match, getting, taking advantage of the honeymoon period, driving conversions, you know, top of search placements, right? Like we don't want auto campaigns with a bunch of irrelevant keywords in, in the beginning of a, of a launch of a product. Right. We don't manage that way. So as soon as somebody says that, like, that's it, it's over. If they put that on the test, like there's no reason to talk to them. Right. They don't know. This is like, you know, something people did in like 2014 or something, right? Like, so this is what would happen on interviews until I said, like, we can't continue to interview like this. We need to a different process. So we have a test, uh, pretty extensive. You pass the test. Uh, so, so go, the test results go into click up, gets reviewed by somebody you pass. We then send you an automated message that asks you to talk about something related to, to Amazon ads or whatever. Right. We want to see your communication, how you think about things, whatever. You pass that then you go to an interview and if it's a more junior level uh ads role because we have we have amazon we have ad analysts that are kind of like assistants to the managers and then we have managers and we have senior managers and we have team leaders right if it's a more junior level role the person interviewing mansoor who who uh was on i believe he did some content with right for helium um he'll interview he's an expert he's got the go-ahead to hire if it's a higher level role senior manager maybe maybe brian will sit in on it for for a second interview or maybe i'll sit in on it you know if it's it's kind of like a higher level role um and so that's one way one way to minimize garbage first of all is not to let it in right now the second way you asked about you know the quality of the person the second way is we do have internal training so we expect people to have experience with ads but we have a lot of very extensive training of how we of how we do things how we use our software tools how we do our reporting how we set initial goals um, so we have a lot of extensive training. We also start many people off as ads analysts where they're an assistant to a manager. And so we're not giving them the keys to uh, manage a bunch of money until they prove themselves you know, as somebody who can help another manager or at least work with another manager for four weeks. Let's say they, they're qualified to come in as a senior manager. They're going to work with another manager for four or five weeks, learn the systems, et cetera, before they take on a client. Um, and then we also have an audit team. And our audit team you know, will also randomly uh, do internal audits on accounts. So they'll randomly go in and, and look at the account, pull a search term report, pull a bunch of reports, see if it's being managed well. At the end of the day, there is no foolproof method. And I will say, yes, like the best managers that are most experienced, and when I say best, most experienced, it means they have experience managing huge spends, a lot of SKUs, complicated things. But we also have incentives in the company where, um, You know, some people are incentivized, like team leaders, uh, based on their team getting promoted and moving up. And they don't just get to say, "Hey, you're promoted," and we promote the person. They say, "You're promoted," and then that person goes on a three-month trial. They do some work that we that we supervise and see if they could become a senior manager or if they can go from analyst to manager. But we also have incentives for our best people to train people. So that they can move up in the company and they also get rewarded for it so try to do as much as possible to to make sure the rock star in the company is also training other people to be rock stars and that um, you know it's a win-win if that happens and that we have audits and like systems in place to minimize and and probably why we have generally a a good reputation because not every agency has the capability and the the amount of people on the team etc to to be able to to be able to do that
0: and one other thing that i've noticed you with your position in the industry as well at from your agency into just people who know you is you seem to get uh be tied really tightly with a lot of guys at amazon you like to have like not i don't know if inside information is the, the right way to say it but you're like on a lot of the beta testing teams and uh you know you know in advance like hey amazon's working on this they're going to be releasing this it could be something for for ads or it could be something somewhere else and you you post a lot on, on facebook uh about that how yeah. how, did, how did you get tied into to this kind of like uh you're like on a seller advisory board or something for <laughs> amazon
1: I, I would say like also networking um and going to a lot of events you know i was also i was in amazon exclusives as a seller and so i built relationship being an amazon exclusives you got some opportunities to go to headquarters Meet your rep. Meet some people there. I developed relationships. After I went, I sent them a package with like my products. You know, like I spent focus on developing those relationships, um, and over time, have you know, give you an example, right? Seller Labs. We went. We went to that. We went to that conference, right? Well, Jeff Cohen, who ran Seller Labs, now works at Amazon, right? So if you have some longevity in this space and you build relationships, and that my good friend Lisa Abel, who was a client. We helped her scale her brand. She exited her brand. Now she's on the Buy With Prime team at Amazon. So about three weeks ago, I met with the top guy from Seattle who runs Buy With Prime because he was coming to New York. I'm friendly with Lisa. We've introduced clients to Buy With Prime. I've given feedback, et cetera, on it. And I got a chance to meet with him. So I would say mostly through networking. We are also an Amazon advertising partner. So we're like officially approved by Amazon, which means we meet with Amazon every couple of weeks. Um, they're not telling us all the secrets to everything and don't expect, you know, your rep to know the algorithms, but I can escalate things, you know, like there's, there's some, there's some opportunities to like, get someone to hear you out on stuff. And we had a blog post written on Amazon's blog and, you know, it's, it's mostly relationships. Um, and I, I guess I would say that, you know, I'm not great at everything, but networking and like, you know, re- relationships I guess is a, is a, is a skill set.
0: And you were featured in like one of their videos or one of their, uh, or some program or something at one point, weren't you? Was it your brand or your agency? You were, you were like highlighted by Amazon.
1: Yeah. Um, well actually, you know, my brand, which was in the apparel space was actually in an Amazon prime commercial once. Um, again, I was in exclusives. And so I got to like connect, but then, but it was like hard to see. It was like on a truck. And they, they had this commercial where they had a freight train, like bringing products and each, or like each freight train, each section of the train had a different brand on it. My brand was, was there. But, uh, and you know, one time, like I re- I connected with somebody at Amazon that was a very high level in ads. And I said, I would love to come meet you. And they're like, sure. Email my secretary. Right. So like I flew out to Seattle to meet them and build, build that relationship. Right. But, uh, yeah, the, the agency, I think, um, we, we had a blog post with, with Amazon on the agency and, and I think I was at an event. And a photographer, like, took a picture of me, you know. And, like, if I'm going to be – it was an Amazon event. Another Amazon event, they had, like, video video filming people, like, whatever. So I went up. I'm like, what are you guys filming? Well, we're asking some people questions about the event, and we might feature it tomorrow on the screen. Well, I filmed some stuff for it. And then the next day, I was super disappointed because, like, uh, Vanessa uh, – what was it? The uh, – the tennis player, Venus, Venus, uh-huh. Venus Williams joke. Right. Yeah. And I, 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 fil- I asked the question, they filmed, asked me some questions it Was supposed to be on screen asking her a question and mine didn't make it. So I'm like, Oh, it did not make it. And then it turns out they use part of that footage for like a YouTube video or whatever, a recap of the event or something. Um, so, you know, part of it is just being, you know, being wise about kind of le- leveraging opportunities uh, like that, networking, reaching out to people, flying out to Seattle to meet an Amazonian if they're high up and, it's worthwhile to build that relationship because they know me. I can then email them on something or whatever. Right. So.
0: So I know when you took that flight out to Seattle to meet them, I know you made a, a, a stop in the cockpit because every time <laughs> every time you're you're yeah. traveling on, on a plane, I see a post of you, you like in the pilot smiling. How do you pull that off every time? Do they they look at you weird? Like how do you, when you're getting on the plane, um, do you like, wait a second, can I talk to the pilot for a minute? Or how, how do you, what, <laughs> what, what's, your, what's your little, what's the line that you use to get those pictures uh, with, with the pilots <laughs> so, all the time? In so the so cockpit. I, did it
1: once. I did it once and I think it was in 2018. In 2018, 2019, I probably was traveling definitely over a hundred days. Like I think in 2019, it was like 150 days uh, that I was traveling to, to different events and stuff and including China multiple times for, for, for the, the Canton fair, etc. And And um, one time I got on the plane and I made, I was flying so much that I made like Delta diamond, which means whether you have a business class seat or not, you get on the plane first. So I got on the plane and I said, Hey, can I take a selfie in the cockpit? I don't even know why I did it, but I did it and I posted it and it got like, all these comments and everything, you know? So I'm like, Oh, this is pretty cool. So the next time I went on, I, I did it again. And then I just made it a thing. And I just like, every time I went on the plane, it's like your Delta. trademark now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So generally if it's like with Delta, I get on the plane first because I don't know if I'll continue to maintain that status, but they extended it multiple years because of COVID. So I'm like 2020 to like, no, you know, we're not going to cancel people. There's no flight. So, so I think mine will end this year, but, I think I'll still be able to do it. But I get on the plane and I see the, the flight attendant and they're like, Hey, uh, can I take a selfie in the, cockpit, in, in the cockpit? And usually they're like, sure. Or let me ask the pilot or whatever, you know? And they're like, Hey, if somebody wants to take a selfie with you. And like, sure. Come <laughs> on in. And, and then I'll go in and like the pilot will be like, you, you know what? Why don't you sit down? I'll take a picture of you, you know? Cause like, I never asked to like sit in their seat, but sometimes you'll see me like holding on to the, like the yeah, you know, yeah. joystick or whatever. Right. And it's cause the pilot, says like, Hey, sit down. And I feel like, you know, first of all, it's like, it's kind of like customer service in in a sense. And also I think, you know, there's somebody who thinks your job is really cool if you want, if they want a picture in the cockpit. Right. So, um, one time there was a woman in the cockpit, I happened to be with my daughter and I brought her in to see like a a woman pilot. And she was talking to my daughter about like, look, anybody could be even, you know, women can be pilots too. Right. Cause you don't see women pilots that often. Um, and yeah, just kind of you just come in and ask. One time, I went on a plane recently, and I said to the flight attendant, "Can I go take a picture in, in the cockpit?" She's like, "No, you can't do that." I'm like, "Are you are you, are you a new flight attendant? Uh, you know, like maybe you don't know this, but I have like 200 of these pictures, you know." So she's like, "Okay, let me let me check." And she's like, "Oh yeah, it, it's okay. You, you can go do it." You know, so I gave her an education.
0: That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, later on, man, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on today. We could sit here and talk uh, about anything and everything for, for quite some time. And it's been great to having you back on the PM podcast after what, six, seven years or whatever it was. <laughs> yes. And Thank uh, you. everybody out there, Leron has a podcast as well. Um, and i was on it uh, about uh three or four weeks ago make sure you go check that one out i think he said it's like the longest podcast he's ever done and we, we talked about <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah it's over an hour
0: we talk about uh you know the nft space and uh, a whole bunch of other cool stuff so if you have how did they find that uh on if they want to go check that out
1: um, it's an e-commerce mindset uh podcast so it's apple spotify whatever google podcast. So it's called e-commerce mindset. Just find it. Um, and, uh, and also we have a a really good newsletter we've been putting out weekly on LinkedIn, which just updates in the Amazon space. There's no, there's not even an email opt-in or anything. You just like go to incrementum digital, our page. How do you spell Uh, incrementum
0: for the people that don't know how to spell uh, that? How do you spell that?
1: I N C R E M E N T U M incrementum digital, or just search for me on on LinkedIn Liron. L i r a n. Um, find the page Incrementum Digital. There's also an Australian Incrementum Digital. So find the right one, and then you'll see on the page you can subscribe to our newsletter, and then you you actually get an email notification when it's out. Um, we're going to put a sign up on our on our website too um, shortly. But um, it's good. It's just it's just valued. We don't like pitch anything. You'll find it valuable. You should follow Mansoor, also on our team. He puts out a lot of really good PPC content. Again, we we don't we don't pitch at all like on on social media. So everything everything should if you're an Amazon seller, should be, should be valuable.
0: Awesome. Thanks again, Leron, man. And uh, I'm sure I'll see you at an event sometime around the corner.
1: Yeah, sounds good. See you at an event soon.
0: Leron's always a pleasure to speak with a really sharp guy, knows a lot about everything to do with Amazon. Definitely uh, check out his podcast. Like we mentioned, Uh, he's got some great guests on there. He does it every week. And don't forget coming up actually in about 12 days now on February 7th, the bulls, And Apes Project is releasing The Apes. And they did a pre-mint back in January, and it went bonkers. And there's a limited number available on this February 7th minting date. And if you don't know bullsandapesproject.com, you can check that out. It was started by the founders of Helium 10, Manny Coates and Guillermo Puyol, along with uh, Anthony and uh, one other person. They are running one of the most incredible projects in the nft space they're there you know a lot of projects in the nft space have, have tanked That's run by people that don't know what they're doing but i'm personally invested in it my wife's personally invested a lot of people in the amazon space are personally invested and we've seen our investments in a market in a bear market when everybody's losing their shirts we've actually gone up uh, i think we're up about four and a half to five x right now And with this new release of the apes to uh, complete the project, which were synergistic with the original bulls, it's going to be, I think we're going to see most likely uh, some huge gains. Uh, You never know what's going to happen, but I think we're going to see a big multiplier on our investment. If you want to get on the allow list, which is like a private special list to actually be able to mint some apes, look me up on Facebook and just send me a direct message and say, I like to be on the allow list. Here's my email address and I can get you on the allow list. So you heard this on the podcast. So I make sure I put you to the top because if you're not on the allow list, you're probably not going to be able to participate in this apes mint. And when new ones mint is when you want to be in on it. And so if you're interested in getting on the allow list, which is like the kind of like the VIP secret advanced list uh, for this February 7th minting, just look me up on Facebook and you'll, you'll be able to find me and send me a, direct, a DM there and say, you heard this on the podcast, please add me to the allow list. Here's my name and email address, and I'll do my best to get you on there. I hope to see you again next week on the next episode of the AMPM podcast. But before we go, as always, I've got the little nuggets of wisdom for you. And here it is. You know, most advice really sucks. Advice is always well-intentioned, usually. Uh, but it can be dangerous to use someone else's map of reality to navigate yours. Winners develop filters and selectively implement advice. Take the signal, but skip the noise. We'll see you again next week.